Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensler. Let's just pray together, repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart, that you'd reveal your word to me today, in such a way that I would understand it, so that I can speak it, and do it, and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're continuing with our series, A Wise Man Once Said, and a wise man once said that there was one man sacrificed to save us all. Now, I just want to recap from, from last week where we were talking about the fact that um, it's good to know that life's not fair. And, uh, you know, when you think about the complaints that we often have <clears throat> about life's not being fair, the reality is that if life were fair, all of us would end up in hell. Every single one of us. The Bible is clear in saying that every one of us has sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. There is no one without the blood of Jesus that is righteous. No, not even one. And I just want to read to you from Romans 5 verse 6 um, through to verse 9. It says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And the, 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 the lesson is, first of all, Jesus didn't die for the innocent. He didn't die for those of us that have never sinned. We were using his name as a swear word. We were partying. We were doing all the stuff we shouldn't do. We were thinking stuff we shouldn't think. We had motives. Even with the good stuff we did, we had motives that were for ourselves. Jesus didn't die for those who are waiting to get saved. He died for, for people that didn't deserve salvation. And Jesus saved us from something we'd never do for others. All right? I mean, some of us, the best of us, may die for someone that's good but none of us will die for someone that's bad and i just want to remind you of the the, the greek word for 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 sinners is amatolos and it means someone who's devoted to sin while we were devoted to sin jesus died it also means a sinner it means someone who's not free from sin it means someone who is preeminently sinful especially wicked while we were preeminently sinful Jesus died for us. While we were especially wicked, Jesus died for us. And then Jesus rendered us innocent with his own blood. And Romans 5 verse 9 is the most incredible verse that we could ever wish for in, in the Bible. It says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? How much more? And how are we saved from God's wrath? How are we justified? How are we made just? Revelation 12, 11, we have to overcome the devil. And how do we overcome the devil? And they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The price that Jesus paid for our redemption was incredibly high. You cannot begin to put it into words. Just how high the price was that Jesus paid for our salvation. Just how high the price was that Jesus paid for our redemption. We like to tell people that we're good people. 
But I mean, if everything that you've ever done and every motive that you ever had were put onto these screens, this, this one, this one, the one behind me, the one that you're watching, imagine if that screen was filled and every person in the world could see every motive you've ever had, every thought, everything that you've ever done. Imagine the humiliation. Imagine the shame. And there's not one of us that can stand here today or sit here or do whatever we're doing in the service. There's not one of us that could listen if we're listening on the audio. It doesn't matter who we are. None of us can stand there and say, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm actually fantastic, and if every secret of mine was out, I'd be okay with it. Imagine just the things you've said about people in the safety of your own home. Imagine if those people found out what you said about them. When we get to the real place, of understanding who we really are before Almighty God, then we understand why we need a Savior. And so today we're talking about one man's sacrifice to save us all. And this is something that's a very difficult concept to understand, and that's part of how we can know that this comes from God and it doesn't come from, from man. How in the world can one man make a sacrifice that saves us all? Well, I want to read to you from Romans 5, verse 12 to 21, which says, Therefore, Just as sin entered through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of everyone to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift come by the grace that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through the death of that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned through death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I just want to mention that last verse. Some people might be thinking, yes, now I can sin more so that grace may reign more. Don't worry, you need, to, you need to wait until we look further on in the book of Romans before you go with that stupid line of thinking. Because when you're under sin, you're a slave. You are a slave, and you are following the instructions of sin. Sin is causing you to do stuff that you do not want to do. Now, many people would ask the question, so how can one man save the world? How could Jesus die over 2,000 years ago and today his blood washes us clean? And this is the thing that you have to realize is that it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes faith. It takes 
a supernatural understanding that God gives you in order to begin to understand how this thing works. And remember, when we're trying to understand this, we're trying to understand this living in a realm where we just live in a 3D world and we cannot see into eternity. We cannot see with our physical eyes or hear with our physical ears or feel with our physical touch what's going on in the spiritual dimensions that exist. And so you need to think about this. And, and I also want you to realize, you know, when we come and we want to worship God and we come and we want to shout before God and all of those sorts of things, you know, we're often too sophisticated to want to shout to, before Almighty God. Oh, no, no, we need to be all sophisticated. We need to be all quiet. But I know there were quite a few people, Calvin, that would have celebrated yesterday when Manchester United were thrashed 4-2. And I'm sure you rubbed it in. And there were many people that were celebrating when Kaiser Chiefs won after, I think, for the first time since 1925. <laughs> right? There were many people shouting. So we can shout for our sports teams. But we can't shout for the God. We can't shout for the one who saved us. We cannot shout for the one who gave his life for us. And you know what? We actually don't understand what we, what we have. I want you to think about this. Your sports team could win whatever sport they're playing. They could win the top honor, the top prize. And in two hours after the victory, you could die of a stroke. And then what is that victory to you? Let me tell you, you could die of a stroke in two hours' time. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that hope that the Lord Jesus gave you uh, will be just as real after your death as it was now while you're living on this earth. We don't even have a clue. We don't even have an idea of exactly the... Ma massive mammoth gift that Jesus has given us it's an eternal gift it takes us through to all of eternity we are ignorant and so we think it's nothing we are ignorant of our sin so we think our sin is nothing we think oh we're good people you know why is God going to send good people to hell because you're not a good person now, but how can, how can God send people to hell if he's a loving God? Really? So Hitler and all the stuff he did, no problem. He must just get away with it. No, that's not what I mean. People mustn't get away with stuff. I mean, why must anyone go to jail? How can a loving government put any person in jail? How can a loving judge put a rapist into jail? That's a ridiculous argument. Really, it's a pathetic argument. But yet people say it all the time. And they don't, they don't sit there and think, you know, how stupid is that? How stupid is that? How idiotic is it to say something like that? It is a crazy statement. We know what we've done. We know how many times we've lied. We know everything that we've done. And so now we're sitting there thinking, yes, but how could Jesus dying over 2,000 years ago sort this out for us? Well, you know, something that I was thinking about, imagine if a car engine is broken, you know, and the car doesn't work. In order to fix that car, one, one first has to, has to discover the source of the problem. If you don't discover the source of the problem, guess what? That car ain't starting. That car ain't going anywhere. The first thing that a, a mechanic has to do on that car to see why it's not working is he has to go and do diagnostics. He has to go and uh, figure out a diagnosis as to what exactly is the problem. And once he knows the problem, the second step is he's got to fix the problem. And if he fixes the correct problem, then the car will work again. If he doesn't fix the problem, the car won't work.
The same as if you're going to a doctor. The doctor has to give you a correct diagnosis. If a doctor diagnoses uh, you've got a problem with your heart, in the meantime you had a stroke, you, you're going to die. If that doctor treats you for a heart attack, meantime you had a stroke, you know your life's over. And so you cannot solve the problem until you found the source of it. And now I want to ask you, why do people die? What is the source of death? Do you believe, no, no, we all came from monkeys, and guess what? Uh, if we don't all die, the earth's going to be overpopulated, and that's why people have to die, so that the earth's not overpopulated. You know, that's an argument I've had from people at universities. And, and then I ask, so why are resources scarce? Why do things run out? It's obvious they do. I said, I know they do, but what's the cause of the fact that things run out? Now, who can know that? Well, the Bible actually gives an answer for that. The Bible actually tells you why things run out, because the earth is under the curse of sin. And so you cannot solve your problem of death until you found the source of it. And the source of the problem while we all die comes because of the sin of one man. And every one of us have inherited that, that, that sin that that one man committed where he disobeyed God. But here's the thing. If one man caused the problem, then one right man can solve it. And Romans 5 verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. There was a song that came out in the 1980s when I was growing up from a band called Human League. And the words of the song said, I'm only human. Of flesh and blood I was made. I'm only human. I was born to make mistakes. Now, when Adam was created and when Adam was born, when God breathed life into Adam, it was not so. Adam was not born to make mistakes. And so the human league was wrong. You were not born to make mistakes. It's not the reason that you exist. It's not your purpose to make mistakes. Adam was perfect. And because he was perfect, he met God face to face every day. And Adam had access to the tree of life, which means he never needed to die. Adam is the first human, and therefore all of our DNA goes back to him. And the funny thing is, there was a number of years ago where, where they actually did studies of, of, of human genomes and things. And um, they thought we'd, 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 we'd all go back to different ancestors in different parts of the world. And then they found, no, we all go back to one common source genetically. And I remember thinking, wow. It actually proved everything that they believed about evolution up to that point wrong. And then they just quickly changed evolution to say, oh, no, 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 this is what it you know, means. And so even scientifically, our, 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 our genetic source goes back to one place. And so therefore, our DNA goes back to him. And so when Adam sinned and his DNA was corrupted by sin, Anytime any of us are born, guess what? We're also corrupted just like him because we've inherited it from our parents. And so every single human born since then has been born with corrupted DNA. That's why we die. Before the law, sin was not charged to our account because we did not know better. In other words, we were ignorant of our sin. But you know, we were still contaminated and so we still die. Everyone sins because all people have been made sinners by their very DNA. 
and therefore all people face death. If one man could contaminate everyone, absolutely everyone contaminated by the stupidity of one man, then one man who is righteous could make everyone righteous again. It is possible. One righteous man died. After Adam, there was one righteous man, and he died, shedding his blood, and his precious blood washes the sin away of everyone that receives him by faith today. Because God is looking for the sins of people to justify the death of his son. Now, sin is such a great problem. But the solution brought by Jesus is greater than the problem. Romans 5 verse 15 says, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? How cool is that? How awesome is that? If we could all die because of the sin of one man, how much more could we be saved by the death of one righteous man whose death was empowered by the Holy Spirit? It was empowered by the Holy Spirit into eternity to take away our sin forever. Salvation comes through an exchange that takes place at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation happens when I come with my sinful life and I lay my life down at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ with all my hang-ups, with all, with, with, with all of my insecurities, with all of my issues. I come and I lay that life down at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say, Lord, I give up this life. I give up this life. I, ha I hand over the life that is destined for eternal death. And I hand this over to you, Lord, when I actually have nothing to offer you. There's nothing I can offer you. And in exchange, you give me your life. You see, that's actually what happens. That's actually what the Bible talks about. By this faith, there's an exchange that takes place. And your spirit instantly, the moment you do that, gets made 100% new. And I don't know if you, if you realize it, but you're a three-part being just like God's a three-part being. You know, God's got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, you've got three parts too. You've got your body, you've got your spirit, you've got your soul. The second you give your life to Jesus, your spirit is made 100% new. You are a brand new creation in the, in the sight of Almighty God. This is what the Word declares. You are a brand new creation. And Jesus gives you His life in return. And so this is the grace of God, and God's grace came as a gift to us all. Every one of us needed this gift. And when this gift fills our hearts, this gift will overflow to many. That's why Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And to anyone who will stand and be made wet by the overflow, guess what? They will receive the same gift of salvation. Anyone who will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they will receive exactly the same gift. There's none of us that deserve it more or less. None of us deserve it at all. And so through the one act, all were destined for hell. But in the same way as through another act, all were, all were given life. 
Romans 5, 18 and 19, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. Just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Every person is condemned by sin, the sin of Adam. But justification is available to everyone who believes. I want to say that again. Justification is available to everyone who believes. I want to say that again. Justification is available to everyone who believes. And what does the word justification mean? It means to be rendered or to be made righteous. You receive a status you didn't deserve. You are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Why? He was punished for your sin. He was beaten to a pulp for your sin. And so this life is available to everyone who believes. To who? To everyone who believes. Every single one. There's not a single person that this righteousness is not available to. Redemption comes through the stripes of Jesus. Jesus has brought you back from the power of sin. Jesus has brought you back from the power of death with his own blood. And when he shed his blood for you, he shed his life for you. And you know, Jesus shed his blood to redeem you on every single level. Now, I want you to think about the word redemption. It means to buy back. You know, when you get a a discount voucher, you go to the shop and you make a purchase and you redeem your voucher. Then they give you a discount. That's what Jesus did for you. He redeemed you and the price that he had to pay for your life was, was blood. He had to pay that price because our sin has to be punished. Justice has to be done. And we said this before in the series. Justice has to be done or God is not a just God. If God allows sin to go unpunished, he's not a just God. And so Jesus went there and he got punished when he had never sinned. And I've said it before in this series, I've said it before, you may have heard me say it many years ago. I still think it's absolutely amazing how God could come up with a system where he's now searching for our sin to justify the death of his son. Because that's the greatest injustice that ever happened. He He who had no sin died and received the punishment that only those who have sin should have received. Now when Jesus redeemed us, he redeemed us on every level. The first level he redeemed us on was he gave us spiritual redemption. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell on him. And by his scourging we were healed. By his stripes we are healed. Listen, Jesus was punished badly for us. this, This gift is free for us. It wasn't free for Jesus. I want you to think about how much he must love us. That he would go through what he went through. He was pierced through when they nailed him to the cross. He was pierced through. His skin was pierced for our transgressions. We had done it. It wasn't him that did it. We did it. He was executed for what we did. He was crushed for our iniquities. When they beat his face in, it was for what we did wrong. And the chastising of our well-being. In other words, our, the, 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 the chastising that needed to happen in order for us to be able to have peace with God the Father. It fell on Him. 
and by his scourging or by the stripes on his back or by the whipping that he received, we are healed. And so Isaiah 1 verse 5 it says, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in your rebellion? What is the point of it? Why do it? Why, why go that way? And you know, when you look at this, it helps us to understand why the Lord was asking people this question. Maybe he's asking this question. He says, perhaps you cannot understand the way in which my son was torn to pieces by the merciless Roman whip. Perhaps you do not realize how he was punished for crimes that he'd never committed. You know, Pontius Pilate sat there. And Pontius Pilate knew this guy was innocent. He knew. He sentenced him anyway. Because he's scared of what the people would say. So even right there, the very one who condemned him washed his hands and said, I'm washing my hands of this act. This thing is wrong. And so now we know he was innocent. And perhaps you do not realize, therefore, that he was punished for crimes you and I had committed. And when we apply the blood that was shed from his wounded body, he redeems you, which means he frees you from rebellion. He frees you from sin. And he frees you from every spiritual obstacle that opposes your right relationship with Almighty God. But you've got to believe it's true. You've got to believe that he does it for you. That's what we call faith. He also redeemed us physically. Isaiah 53 verse 5d. And by his wounds we are healed. I want you to realize if you go and you look back at Adam, they had, they had access to the tree of life. So sickness is not a natural state for people. We weren't born to be sick. Sickness came into the world as a consequence of the sin of man. While you lived far from God, the enemy had a right to attack you through sickness and through all sorts of other things. But now that you're part of a heavenly kingdom, you need to understand that healing is within your reach. And, and I want to challenge you in terms of this. You know, one of the things that we've seen now, many people have died and all sorts of terrible things have happened and all of those sorts of things. The challenge that, that God gives us, He says now to us, will you still believe? Will you still believe? He says, you know, I've done other things in your life to give you reason to have faith. But now that you face the challenges, now, things, now that things haven't gone the way that you expected them to go, will you still believe? Will you trust my word over your circumstances? Will you still pray for healing? Will you still lay hands on people and pray for them? Just one drop from Jesus' wounded body has enough power to redeem you from all sickness and all pain. Will you still believe? And the other, the other challenge that we see that's happening in the world today, if you're looking at the news that's happening in places like America, and, and, and especially the UK, where there's articles in, in, in the, the news media about empty shelves. So at a time where all of these challenges are going on, and even here in our nation, in South Africa, there have been many challenges that have been going on even before lockdown, but especially since lockdown. And, and the challenge that the Lord's giving us, are you going to believe? Because my word declares it, that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for your financial redemption as well. 
And here's what we have to understand, and here's what we have to realize. How can the the world seemingly be coming under such a curse of poverty greater than what happened before? Proverbs 22 verse 2 says, The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of, of them all. You know, one of the things that we have to start realizing is um, why are some people successful and others not? The root of the matter lies in the nature we possess. And Jesus asks us to come and to lay our nature down at the cross. Our nature with failures. Our nature with so many things that, that are wrong with it. And take on His nature. Take on a new nature. Become a new creation. Become brand spanking new. Right there in our core. Right there in our source of who we are. But it comes with a surrender. We've got to surrender to Him. We've got to say to Him, Lord, it doesn't matter what things look like around me. It doesn't matter how life appears to be because of my circumstances. I'm going to trust You. I'm going to lay my world down. I'm going to lay my nature down. And Lord, I want you to give me yours in in return. I want to become a brand new person. I want to, you are, to become evident in my life. And the level to which we experience that victory as believers will will be impacted by how much time we spend with Him and connect with Him at a real level. And this is not a legal thing. That, that's the same as how good or bad my marriage is, is dependent on how much time I'll sit down and spend with my wife and talk to her and listen to her and hear her. And it's pretty obvious when we start looking at our human relationships that You've got to invest if you want something back. Well, it's the same in terms of your relationship with God. But God's always there. He's always waiting. If you're not hearing from God, the problem's not on His end. He's there. He's ready. He's waiting. Right now. Now, Romans 5, 20 and 21 says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. In other words, the law was brought in so we might not be ignorant of the consequence of What's going on? But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Why? In verse 21. So that just as sin reigned through death. Listen to it. Just as sin reigned through death. How does sin reign? It reigns through death. All of us are going to experience that day when our bodies succumb to death. So just as sin reigned through death, so also grace, grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin reigns through death, but grace reigns through the righteousness that brings eternal life. It means we have a hope beyond the grave. It means when people are at our, at our funerals, they will be weeping because they will be missing us. But we won't be crying. It means that we trust God for where we're going to be in 10,000 years' time. It means no matter what we see, no matter what we experience, 
no matter what the world may do. We trust God. We trust Him beyond what we can see in the physical world. And you know what? He will prove Himself to us. When we walk this journey with Him, He will do things in our lives to prove Himself to us. And then He will call us to remember what He's done for us. And so I want to ask you as you're sitting, listening to this or watching it, wherever you may be. What is the Lord saying to you today? My prayer is, is that as we've gone through what the Bible declares about this thing, that God's given you a revelation by the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that right now is moving in your heart. My prayer is, is that you'll see in your mind people you need to forgive. In Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 speaks about how you can grab the salvation for yourself. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. So what is the word of faith that Paul preached? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. I'm making you the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I no longer own my life. You own it. That's what that means. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for you, he was dead for three days, God raised him up out of the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit, that that same Jesus ascended to heaven, and that today is seated at the right hand of the Father where he's your advocate, he's your lawyer, he's defending your case before the Father with his own blood. If you believe that, you're saved. Yeah, but that's too easy. <laughs> no, without that it's impossible. You'll never, be, you'll never be saved. You'll never be right before God. And so I want you to really take stock of this because today your eternal destiny is at stake. And I want to offer you in a moment an opportunity to make a commitment to Him, to lay your life down at the cross and, and to say, I'm going to trust you with my life from now on. doesn't matter what's happening. doesn't matter what's going on. I'm going to trust you from now on with my life. And then you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I'll wait. I'll, maybe you had a sight, so I'll, I'll, I'll wait until I'm home. Maybe, maybe you, you're watching this alone. You think, no, I'll think about this. No, no, you might not have later. You see, one of the things that the enemy does is he puts a veil over your spiritual eyes so that you cannot understand the gospel, so that you cannot comprehend the gospel. And now God has used the Holy Spirit to peel this veil back. And God might be saying to you, if you don't accept me now, you will never have this opportunity again because you'll never click again. Today is the day of your salvation. Maybe you're saying, you know what? My sin is just too bad for Jesus. You're cheapening the blood of Jesus. You're cheapening, cheapening what Jesus did for you on the cross. You're insulting him. His life is a gazillion times more valuable than your sin. Maybe you're sitting there and you're not considering the fact that, you know, in the next 24 hours you could die. I mean, you, you could go and late this afternoon die and tonight you could be facing the Lord in judgment. 
And then the question is, so if that were to happen to you, as it's going to happen, some people are going to die today. Will you be right with God? You can leave this service with confidence, knowing that you will be right with Him. Or maybe you just, you, you've wandered into the service and you, your life is listless and you don't have a purpose. Jesus says, listen, I've got an eternal purpose for you. If you're calling for a purpose, if you think that your life doesn't matter, you give your life to me, I'll, I'll, listen, I'll make your life matter for eternity. And if you'll open up your heart to me, then I'll put you in a place whereby you will experience my love. You will experience a love for me that you maybe never even knew existed. And you'll have a purpose. You'll know where you're going. Don't think you'll have a more effective time later. But when you say yes to Jesus, you're coming before his altar and you're saying, Lord, this is the time and I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. Lord, I can't wait until later. Lord, this is the time. If I wait until later, I do not know if I'll make it. I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to choose to live for you from this day on. I want to live for you so that I'm living close to you. So every step that I take in life, you're close to me and I feel your presence there. So that when the day comes that my death comes knocking, I won't fear it. Because I'll know that you are close to me. And I'll know that my death won't affect me because I'll be with you for eternity. This is what the Lord is saying to you right now. And I'm going to ask you, wherever you are, just to close your eyes. And I want you to think about where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to think about whether or not you are in a position whereby you need to... Um, Maybe give your life to Jesus for the first time or maybe you're needing to <clears throat> recommit your life to Jesus. If that is you, if you're watching online, then after we've prayed this prayer, I'm going to ask you to send us an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That's info at theactivechurch.org. Just saying, I've given my life for the first time or I've recommitted my life and just give a contact number. We'll pray with you. On the other hand, if you're here at Salby or at one of the other sites, then in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, someone's going to put a piece of paper in your hand. I'm going to ask you to fill that piece of paper in and give it in. We'd love to contact you and, and help you in this. And so as you're sitting there right now, my question to you is, has the Lord been speaking to you in this service? Has it connected with you? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, revealing Himself to you. Because God does that. He reveals Himself to you through the Holy Spirit. And He confirms His Word in your heart so that you know it's true. And so if that is you, I'm going to ask you right now, at the sites, just raise your hand. If you're watching at home, come and kneel before the screen. If you are listening in the audio and maybe you can't, uh, maybe where you are, you, you can't do something, just put your right hand on your heart right now. And so if there's anyone, you need to give your heart to Jesus or you need to recommit your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand right now and we're going to pray with you.
Amen. Does answer the phrase when I pray with you? Is there anyone else? We're just going to pray with you right now. Is there anyone else? One last time. I'm just feeling I need to ask this question one last time. There's someone that is in the service. I don't know if you yell at one of the other sites or where, where you might be. But you're hesitating. And the Lord is saying, no, raise your hand right now. You need to make it public. So I'm just asking one last time. If that is you, just raise your hand right now. Or send that email right now before, before you get cold feet. Is there anyone else? Okay, let's pray together. And those of you that have raised your hands or that are sending the email, you mean this prayer and the Lord will save you. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Well, before we do that, I want you just to put your right hand on your heart. And I just want you to visualize Jesus on the cross for you. And as you see Jesus hanging on the cross for you, the, the word declares about him that this Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means that death that he, that he, that he, that he suffered for you over 2,000 years ago, the blood that was shed there has the same power to wash your sin away as it did in that moment when he died. Ask God just to give you and settle that assurance in your heart that you're being made right with him right now by committing to him. That blood that he shed was the price that was paid to wash our sins away. And now as you see that picture with your heart on your your right hand on your heart, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin that you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. And Lord, I accept that right now my debt is paid. There is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as though I'd never sinned. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. And Lord, I'm willing to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart to you, Lord Jesus. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.